So let's dive right into it. So this is our third class. For those of us who are following, I know that, like we mentioned, there are nuanced differences in the different svarim. We're using the Kahas Shar Habitachin, and we are going to page number seven. We're learning about the, the greatness, the mitzvah of, and the amazing benefits of having full trust in God. The Rabbeinu Bachaya explains that the goal is to trust in God only. To trust in nothing other than God. And what we're going to read today inside, he's going to acknowledge how it is within the human tendency to trust either in self and in certain qualities that we have or to trust in other people and he's going to speak in the negative that we should not fall into that trap and as he explained that the moment we divest the trust that we should have in God and we in, we invest in anything else other than God we are moving away from trusting Hashem it's a sum zero game either we trust in God and if we don't then we're not trusting fully in God. And the goal is to have bitachen in God alone, or to invest all of our trust in God. Now, there are three great blessings that we all um, desire to have. We daven for them, wisdom, strength, and wealth. And there is no contradicting contradiction in asking for the, the these gifts, thanking God for having these gifts, using them to the best of our ability in the service of God. That is all very good, but not to confuse that with trusting in it. So if someone is granted wisdom, Baruch Hashem, when God asked King Solomon, ask me for what you wish, and he asked for wisdom, Hashem was very inspired by that. Good. We daven for Chachma every time we daven Shemana Esrei. And we should daven that our kids should have Chachma. On all levels. And when we have it, we should use it. But don't rely on it. And that's the point he wants to make. So let's go. Whoever's using our beautiful Shara Bitochen, we're going to page 7 in the bottom of the page. Says Rabbeinu Bachaya, Va'al yiftach al Chachmasai. A person should not rely on one's own wisdom. And v'tach b'loisavan on one's schemes. Similarly, we ask for koyach. We all know that. The more koyach, the more energy we have, the more health we have. It's a big bracha that we daven for. And if someone is granted the health, a person should use that energy in the service of God, 100%. But then there is, I feel safe. I'm batuach, because I'm healthy. That's a big no-no. Because again, it's, it's not about the problem is not my reliance on my strength. It's that if I am relying on my strength by default, that reliance means that I'm not fully reliant on God. The koyach gufa, a person should not rely on one's koyach. Then there is one's hishtadlus that we spoke about last week, that we are obligated to make effort. It's a mitzvah to make effort. Again, there's a mitzvah to make effort. But then there is after I made my effort, am I relying on my effort or am I relying on God? And it's one or the other. You don't have both. I'm either going to rely on God or I'm going to rely on my effort. And if I'm going to rely on God 90% and 10% of my efforts, that means that 10% I'm not relying on God. And the goal of Bitochen is to be relying 100% on God. And as a consequence of me divesting my Bitochen from God, by relying on my wisdom and strength and or hishtadlos, as the Rabbeinu Bahaya spoke out last week, that the consequence will be is that from my perspective, there will be God's removal of his hashgacha over me. And therefore, I will come sooner or later to notice that yigalorik, that my efforts will be in vain. And eventually, our strength is weakened. That's the way God made the world until the coming of Mashiach. And all of our schemes will fall short 
of achieving whatever it is we're out to accomplish. And as it says in the Pasuk from Eov, that that Hashem traps clever people in their cleverness. In other words, God grants people, or at least some people, chachma and cleverness and all the other parts of that. But we should not fall into the trap of putting our bitachin in it. And I want you to know that's something that it, it takes a while to chap. First on this, I hope we're being articulate in what he's saying. He's going to bring proofs to all of this. But there's understanding it and then there's taking it into heart. Many people, when they read this, they erroneously think, and therefore, what we should not try to be wise, we should try to be wise. We should make our effort to be wise, and we should daven for wisdom, and we should dance if God grants us wisdom. It's not at all contradicting the fact that in the context of our topic, which is bitachen, bitachen is in God. I'll tell you another detail about this. You know, there are certain gifts that Hashem gives us that there's almost like a paradox. A person is given wisdom. What is my wisdom worth? I'll put a zero. Zero. Person, God grants someone with koyach. Zero. God grants a person with, uh, we'll see soon, wealth. Zero. What am I relying on? I'm the only power in the world, God. God is one. What happens when you put the one in front of a couple of zeros? You have 100. Which we're not minimizing the power and the, and the blessing of all of these gifts that God gives us. They are beneficial. They are beneficial as long as in the context of Bitochen, they are zero and God is all. And then God ends up blessing us also through the wisdom. A person with Bitochen will be blessed through a channel that we're creating. And you'll see that you'll make an effort and your blessing will come to you through your efforts. We are guaranteed for that to happen as long as after we made the effort, we put all of our bitachin in God. Make sense? Makes sense. Okay. Huh? You have to work on it. But at least he's explaining the right way of of thinking. I mean, this is real, you know, 101 Yiddish Hashkaf. Not to come to the conclusion that Chachma is not something to be daven for. We daven for it. And, and, and everything else. And all of the tachboloisav. Tachboloisav is my ishtadlus. All of the schemes, all of the work that we do. Va'amad, and he quotes different verses to rely on the importance for men not to rely on his or her own efforts. As it says, King Solomon, Shafti b'roi That I sat and I saw regarding all of reality. He calls all of reality everything that's under the sun. Kiloi lakalam ha'meroitz that the race will not be gifted to the one who's most swift. You can have the quickest runner who can lose the race. I lost a triathlon, I'm the quickest. You can be the quickest and still lose it. We always say we win before the race. After the race, the winner wins. That's the mentality of all of the losing teams of Brazilian soccer. Before the game, every team is the winner. It's a good attitude. Then afterwards, you divide it. You're the winner before the race, and then I'll let Eli Brown be the winner after the race. <laughs> and the war is not always won by the mighty. It's amazing. You know, you, you grow up, you know, when people are younger in the class, and you see the one that looks to be the most outgoing and the shrewdest one, and the one who's already selling begalach in, in cheder. <laughs> then fast forward 30 years, and it's amazing. There doesn't follow that sometimes, sometimes not. Huh? Most times, like it's amazing. You mamash see that Now, on the other hand, when a person is gifted with parnasa, many times God uses the channel of chachma through which to give the person the gift. That's right. That's a good muscle of the numbers. It's a zero before the hundred or after the number one. It makes it more valuable. God is using that as God's channel to gift it to me. But my reliance has to be on God. a nice Hasidic example for this idea, another good mashal. Different topic, same neshama, that when when we when we celebrate the pillar of Yiddishkeit, which is the pillar of, of talking to God, of talking to God, it's connecting to God through tefillah, and tefillah halachically is verbal. 
And there is a lot of emphasis placed on the words that we say. We don't make up our own Siddur. We give a lot of value to use the words that were written by the men of the great assembly. And many people are bothered with it. Why do I have to read someone else's words? Why can't I daven in my own words? Aside of the fact that there are places in the Shemayna Esri where I should add my own words. But that's only a small part of the prayer. A very small, at least quantitatively, of my prayers. A big part of my prayers will be opening up the Siddur and reading through the Siddur. Why? Why do I need to use someone else's words to connect to God? And just to know, the mystical answer for that is, is that prayer is me going up to God and God reciprocating and replying to me. Ultimately, by giving me the blessings or some of all and halavai, all of what we are asking for whenever we're asking for the right things. So going up to God for that, you don't need to have the words that someone else wrote. It's you and God. But after you connect to God on that level and God wants to bless you, the the tzinor, the pathway that God will use through which to give you a response to your prayers will be your words. And for that tzinor, for that path to be good, we got to speak the words that the sages said. That's an emes that we learn in, in Kabbalah. It's a gavaldic way of understanding prayer. So me talking to God, I can use my own words. But God's response, I have to make the words to receive God's response. I have to make the keli. And that is the words of prayer. So, very good. And I'm relying on God. I'm not relying on my words of prayer. My words of prayer are the sinoiros. They are the channels through which God will bless me. And same thing with all of my efforts. My efforts and my wisdom and my koyach and all of that are channels that God will use. They're, they're, it's good that they're there. But I'm not relying on a channel. When you open up the sink over here and water comes out, no one alludes themselves to think that you provided the water. No, our babas, they went and they slept from the well the water. That's, you know, bringing the water. Oh, I'm just opening up the... Uh, I'm opening now that. I need to have the pipe. And that's all of our, our efforts are necessary pipes, but the water is God's water. And therefore rely on God, not on the pipe. But Oman, and as it says in Tehillim, that Kfirim, Kfirim are long lions. Young lions, they think, whoo, they're the strongest in the world. They're Rashu, they can sometimes mamash suffer. And they can go hungry. It means you can be the biggest gibber and you can go hungry. And Vedarshe Hashem, those who see God, they won't like any good. This is based on the premise that if a person has pure bitachin in Hashem, they will not lack any good. We're not, again, we're not having bitachin in order to have all the blessings. That's a very shaloy lishma type of bitachin, which is better than nothing, but we're not, we're not uh, expounding on that. But as a consequence of how do I know if I have real bitachin, whether, whether I'm being blessed with all good. You know, there's Chizkiyot, HaMelech was deathly ill. He wasn't only deathly ill, but it was ordained in the heavens that he was going to pass away. And not only was it ordained in the heavens, but when the prophet came to visit him, he was told that he should say his final uh, prayers because a prophet who says a prophecy, this is Hashem speaking. He davened to live. And God healed him. And God healed him because he davened and he had the highest level of betachem that a person can have. Chizkiyot was the king that was over the, over the territory of Yehuda. At the time, there was a non-Jewish king called Sanchedev, who his reign was in Babylonia, and he ruled the civilized world at the time. And his MO, his modus de operandi, the way he went around the world was he would go to a country, he would conquer it, he would displace 80% of its populace, he would leave 20% locals, and he would bring other peoples to fill up that gap. And that would create a lot of inner social tension because the locals felt it's our country, but they were in the minority. The majority felt we're the majority. And that type of inner machlaikas allowed him to make sure that gave him the confidence that no one is going to rebel against him. That's the way he went into the Holy Land. He took out the 10 tribes and he decided to come and destroy Yerushalayim. The Gemara says he brought 180 some thousand officers. That means even for the world that has today 8 billion people, an army that brings to an enemy territory 180, I think it was 187,000 officers. That means that there were a million soldiers. Even today, I remember when America invaded, I don't know, Saddam, Iraq, and I still remember, I was looking at those numbers, there was about 200,000 troops, which is amazing. Imagine then a million soldiers came to Yerushalayim, a million soldiers, and he was all hyped up. He was hyped up, that Yerushalayim, Yerushalayim, 
And he was so disappointed when he saw Yerushalayim. Guys, Yerushalayim was never as great as it is now. Just to understand that. We daven for the building of Yerushalayim because when a Yid speaks about Yerushalayim, it doesn't mean Yerushalayim. It means the Holy Temple. Where the Uvenei Yerushalayim and Arkadish, people ask me, why mean Uvenei Yerushalayim? In, in King Solomon's Jerusalem was a fraction of what it is today. What are we doubt? It happened already. No, because Yerushalayim means the temple. Yerushalayim then, you know, today you make tours in the old city, it was a smaller version of the old city. Imagine bringing a million soldiers to conquer a nothing of a city. Now there are walls around Yerushalayim. Normally it's a big a challenge, walls around the city. He was so disappointed that he gave an order, San Chayrev. Every soldier should come with a little tool, not a big tool, a little tool, and they should take off a crumb off a rock. And not more. If, if a million people chip out at a rock, there'll be no wall around Yerushalayim. It was such a joke that he was disappointed. Whoever was in the city, by the laws of nature, they were done. Warfare then was that the conquering side, without doubt, would kill all of the men, if not men, women, and children. We were going to get annihilated. Chizkiyo went to sleep calmly. That was the greatness. That means he had bitachin. How do you know he had bitachin? He was able to go to sleep. He was certain that God is going to protect us. He didn't even have a doubt. And there was no way naturally. And one of the greatest miracles that happened to our people happened over there. Like biblical miracles. That all of the officers, all of them, they died. And they died in a way where their bodies were not consumed. But some heavenly fire went into the nostrils and they just... They just didn't wake up. And imagine, imagine the chaos when you have a million troops surrounding a city. And they were telling Chizkiyo, attack it now. And he said, nah, let's rest, let's party. Like it was a joke. He was very angry. Another thing the Gemara says is that he told all of us, every soldier has to go with gear. So he asked the soldiers to put their gear in the same place. He made a mound. He wanted everyone to be able to walk up this this mound that was created in a couple of minutes by everyone throwing their backpacks and everyone was able to stand higher than the walls of Yerushalayim. The whole thing was a joke. They could have marched in from the, over the walls. And so he was relying on his koyach, Sancheirev. He went to sleep. Chizkiyo went to sleep. I don't know if the Yerushalmis went to sleep. They were nervous, Mustama. Like he, he was so calm, imagine. And the miracle happened and they all fled. All of the soldiers fled. And this was a messianic moment. The Gemara says that Chizkiyo should have been Mashiach. Then Mashiach should have come then. And, to, and even though he praised God, but according to the level of the tzaddik that he was, he should have praised God even more. So that moment, unfortunately, did not happen then. That's called bitachim. Completely reliant. Those who rely on God, they lack. They don't lack any good. They I, eat. I have a question. Sure. And this is again a premise about Betachon that I'm not clear on. Is Betachon being sure Hashem will protect me, like you just said, or is it just, is it knowing that whatever Hashem decides is for the best? So we're going to get to that later. Let's, okay. let's leave that for later. Okay. Okay, I got a little bit ahead of myself. I know here again, the Rebbe has a very unique understanding of Betachon. And I know that other people are not on the same page. We say not yet on the same page. But let's at least speak about that. I want to just stay faithful to him. To be, to be reliant on God. I'm in the hands of God. And when I'm in the hands of God, I'll be calm. But if a person relies on their abundance of wealth, then he's writing, it will be removed from him, from her. And it's going to be left to someone else. And as it says again in Eov, that that a, a wealthy person can go to sleep with all of his wealth. And just like that, the next morning, he can open up his eyes and nothing is there. That's Eov speaking from his own experience. For Omar, or as it says by King Solomon, Al-Tiga Al-Hashir. Al-Tiga means don't toil excessively to become wealthy. Desist from relying on your Bina. That's what he's saying. You know, there's a nice story, I think it was from the Rebbe Rashab, one of his Hasidim, had a factory that made galoshas. Galoshas is a business that is needed if you live in places, Nabach, like Miami, where it rains a lot, or if you live in Russia, where it snows a lot, and you know, your, your shoes are getting ruined. So what do you do? So they made these plastic over shoes. You ever saw that? Yeah. Galoshas, here in LA, in Ghanedan, we don't need them. It doesn't rain here, in a good way. It's nice. 
so what happened there was is that this chassid, he, he was very successful, but like most people who have a business that's thriving, your mind is always in the business. And he once came to the Rebbe for Shabbos, and the Rebbe called him over in the middle of Shabbos, and he told him that I have seen many people who put their feet in Galoshin. I have yet to see a person who puts their brain in the Galoshin. In other words, it's important to work, but there is a limit. Do what you need to do, and if a person has greater amount of betachem, let's say on Shabbos, they can completely divest themselves, versus a person who is completely immersed in, and that's not necessary. And it's it's difficult, because again, because God is using the galosha factory to give parnasim. This is the channel, and we we tend to rely on the channel. Don't rely on the channel. Remember, it's only the channel. It's God. And as it also says in Mishli, that this is specifically about wealth, how quick wealth goes away. Rabbi Leader may be well always says that money talks. He says, my money says bye-bye, quickly. <laughs> you know, like, like, that's his line. As it says in Yirmiyo, this is a very good case that at young age already the wealth will leave him people that are wealthy when they're young that's also a big nesoyim people that are born and not such great wealth no people that are born wealthy and it leaves okay to be aware of that all of that is don't be reliant on that which has no power to help you God is the only power in the world even if he chooses to help you through wealth but it's not wealth it's God and even though there are people, Rabbeinu Bahaya is acknowledging that, mamish, they put their bitachin in their wealth. And yet you see the wealth doesn't leave them as of yet, even when they still have their money. But maybe, he says, the person won't be able to have hana from his wealth. And only God knows that. Have, have pleasure, derive benefit. You know, people, people who struggled in America to keep Shabbos, because it was very hard to keep Shabbos in America. You used to lose their job. So a person gave into his nesoyin and he, and he worked. And he kept on to his job. He was a taxi driver. And he told the rabbi, rabbi I can tell you one thing, I didn't lose my job. My taxi broke, I needed to fix it. But thank God, I work on Shabbos, so I have money to pay for my taxi. The rabbi told him, maybe if you would have kept Shabbos, the taxi would not have broken. The machine would not have broken. We don't know. Only God knows these cheshbayin. So even if it appears that someone who's reliant on the wealth is actually benefiting from the wealth, you don't know how much they're benefiting from it. And as the wise man says, the wise man is King Solomon, that there are times that God, who allows you to hold on to that which you have, but you have no power to eat from it, to have benefit from it. What should be one's attitude be with one's money? And a person should see this as a deposit that God left with him or with her. That he or her, she, we have a responsibility to guard it. We should not be hefkerdik with that blessings that God. We should keep it. Until it's going to be directed where it should be directed to. Directed to means to your kids also. But I'm saying that uh, it's a gift that should be properly used. And God made me or you its custodian. But I'm not relying on it. And as it says, That to one who is disconnected from God. God puts it in their hearts, or that is their sin. That their life is to gather. The lichnois, right? To pile money. And they are gathering and amassing wealth all for it to be given to someone else. There was a story recently. There was a big, uh, there was a, a taxi dr- a driver, the chauffeur from some wealthy Chinese uh, billionaire who sadly did not get along with his children. To the point, and, and this, this chauffeur was very loyal and very humble, and when he passed away, he left in his will all of his wealth to his chauffeur. So they interviewed the chauffeur, and the chauffeur said that it's funny that all my life, I thought I was working for him. Now it turns out that he was working for me. Wow. That, that's what happens, that a person can work the whole life, and they're gathering the wealth for whom you don't know who it's going to. Or the tragedy in our community, the Rockefellers, or these families that God gave them wealth, and they assimilate it. And the pain, and I know the pain of these people, of these wealthy elderly people, when they acknowledge that all of their life's work is going to go to non yidin There's nothing wrong with non yidin but it shouldn't go from a yid to a non yid You know, you, you see, you gather your money and it goes away. 
Ba'amaran as it says that I'm sorry that Yochin Vitzadik Yilbosh that um the wicked man Yochin, the wicked man prepares and sometimes God ultimately directs it to that Sadik. That Sadik will be the one wearing the garb. And Vikasev Noki Yachalik. And the money will be divided ultimately for all of the clean people. Furthermore, if a person becomes too reliant on their wealth, the there are times that wealth not only won't bring you what you think it will bring you, the wealth can cause, as we all know, different levels of challenges and of destruction. And as it says, and as it says, like King Solomon says, that there is a very tragic, non-good that I see under the sun, that sometimes wealth not only doesn't bring you benefit, but that it can bring demise or misfortune to the one who possesses it. So when it came to wealth, Rabbeinu Bachaye found it necessary not only in the context of Bitochen to make it clear that we should not rely on it, we should daven for it and make good use of it and respect it but not rely on it, but he also wants us to acknowledge more than wisdom and more than good health that wealth has that double-edged sword it can accomplish everything and in the good and God forbid in the bad. Just a quick Hasidic story about wealth, a beautiful story that there was there was a Jew that did it, that, that that there was a Jew that after Yom Kippur, Matzah Yom Kippur was so into the Yom Kippur moment that he didn't want to go home. After fasting all those hours, and he was in his own world and people let him be. And the caretaker of the shul next morning, imagine, Yud Aleph comes for Shachris and that Jew still has his talus over his head. And he was so into his own world that the Shamash or the Gabbai paid attention, listened, and he heard him singing a melody, and we have that melody. It's a melody to the words that it's a beautiful Hasidic melody. There's a story behind it. And the story is, is that this is a Jew that did a tremendous mitzvah, tremendous mitzvah in the past. And he merited for Eliyahu Navi to come and to ask him that God wants to reward you. And either to bless you with tremendous wealth or for you to experience in while you're still living a moment of Ganeiden, real Ganeiden. And he chose a moment of Ganeiden. And God granted it to him on that Yom Kippur. And that's why he simply could not leave that Yom Kippur because this Jew was in Ganeiden. So the Rebbe who shared the story to someone in Yechidus told him that this story must have happened prior to the times of the Baal Shem Tov. Why? Because had the story happened post Baal Shem Tov era, the Jew would have told the Liyah Novi, I want wealth. Hmm. Why? Why? Because when wealth is used the right way, there's nothing that can bring good in the world like wealth, if it's used the right way. Let me say, make it clear that Rabbeinu Bachai is not advocating for people not to have wealth. God forbid. But we should be aware of the danger that wealth brings about. Wealth brings about a danger. And many people that have excess wealth could actually have a terrible spiritual and emotional downfall. Aside of the fact that it doesn't last forever. Whether it takes one lifetime or 20 lifetimes, it's something like everything else, it's temporary. And God is permanent and our trust in God brings us permanent blessings. So Atkan, Rabbeinu Bachaya, is, is strongly emphasizing that all of the things of quality should never be relied upon. Bitocha means I'm not relying on it. I don't trust in my money. How meaningful is it that in the United States, at least until now, on the dollar bill, in God we trust. So a Yid would have written, only in God we trust. That would have been a better statement. But at least in God we trust, and it's good that it's written on a dollar bill. Like Moshe Yes's very sad song, mm. such a sad song, of the dollar bill that was blown in by the wind into a Beisach Knesses. And the dollar bill is having a conversation with the Sefer Torah. And he's telling the Sefer Torah that the world worships me, not you. Mm. And that's more or less the whole song. Like there's no happy ending. Wow. And how sad is it? So it's a tool that can, you're talking about Mashiach world, we want to heal all illnesses, we'll do that with money. You want to take away famine, you're going to do that with money. Mamish, I'm saying all of the real uh, betterments to the world is done with resources, done with money. And we're not minimizing that. 
But God is bringing that into the world. And if we are lucky through us, through our channels, but it's only a channel, trust in God only. Doesn't master ensure that faith in us? Because like it's, you know, like... So, yeah. So there from, is a minimum, but some people give more than the minimum. But just to ensure that the wealth that you do have, that you're giving it to a good cause, is what Hashem, you know, you investigate the cause that you're giving it to, but that you're always letting go some of it. You know, so I'm very good. So to your, to your point, very good. In other words, the Rabbeinu Bahaya is not addressing what we need to do to hold on to wealth. At least right now, he's not telling you that if you'll have bitachin, you're going to be wealthy. He's not saying that right now at all. Correct. You want to hold on to wealth? You got a tithe. That's what the sages told us. And, and it's going to happen. It's going to work. The Rabbeinu Bahai is speaking about trust. Trusting in God. Not even in the consequences, just trusting in God. And we all trust. We just, we're not aware of it. And all of us either trust God, which is the goal. And if we're not trusting God, it's not that we're living without trust. We are either trusting things outside of us or trusting in ourselves. So until now, he was speaking about in the me. Who, who is the me? The Chachma, the Koyach, the wealth. And then he continues, Mayhem, That another benefit of trusting in God will be is that we're not going to be in service of any other entity. We're not going to be owing any other entity in an unhealthy way. And he's now addressing people trusting others. Until now, he was speaking about people trusting in their in themselves, which is not good. It's not Amos. It's not going to work. Now he's speaking about those who trust others. And we give other people godlike powers which they do not have. Even when someone helps you, if someone helps you, you know what you say? Thank you, God, and thank you. There's nothing wrong with thanking another person because they had to choose not to be the channel, even though you would have been helped because the proof is that you got helped. It means God wanted to help you. Nothing wrong with thanking them, but it's thank you, Hashem, and not to be mekava, which means to place your hope or place your trust in any other human being. And then he writes another better line that connected to bitachin is expectations. This is such a beautiful line. Mm-hmm. You won't, don't expect of other people. Guys, if you want to be disappointed in life, yeah. I'll give you one thing you need to do. Expect. Expectations. Yeah. That's it. You expect, mm-hmm. you'll be disappointed. And many people want to be disappointed and that's the simplest way of getting there in a justifiable way. I'm right to be disappointed. Mm-hmm. Don't expect. Expect of yourself. What? Expect of yourself. And when no. you're disappointed, don't beat yourself up too much. Have Rahmanas. And hopefully people have some Rahmanas on themselves. At least some people have that. Can we have expectations in Hashem? Ooh. You can have expectations in Hashem. There is one caveat, which is what you were touching on before. He's going to speak about that later. I can have expectations of, I should have, I have to have expectations of Hashem. Mm-hmm. Question is, how do we react if I'm not getting what I want? In, right. in, in the context of God, well, he's going to speak about that later. Mm-hmm. But expect of God, mm-hmm. and to a certain degree, expect of yourself just, in a healthy way. Also, too much is not that a, in a human being. Nothing other than that. Okay. And that's our kids. Our kids. I I feel like, like it's important. They know like which way is the right way. I would use. I I, I know that many time, many people use the word expectations. I think that that um, we 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 see them in a light that they are very capable. No, it's not expecting of them in, in the wrong context is, is that I don't think you're able to do it. No, no, right. you are able to do it. Right. And the more children see that, that, that you know as a, as a mother that they are able, you mamas, you give them the mothers, the father. We have a koyach to give our kids ability. The more you, you, you see the, the potential in your child, the more they're going to succeed, mamas. He's speaking about an expectation that comes from bitachon. If I'm if I'm placing my my trust in you, that's because I'm I'm expecting of you. And many people do that. And many people who do that, they do it because they're manipulators. That's a midah that many people were gifted by God as a birth to have to overcome. So they rely on others to expect of others to manipulate others to be to have a, an excuse to be disappointed in others. All of that is touching upon bitachon. It's the more we have bitachin in God alone, then not only won't we place our trust in others, 
We won't place our trust. We won't therefore expect of them. I'm asking for you to be the channel. But I'm asking for God to be the giver. I'm expecting for God to be the giver. You can be the channel. The moment you're the channel, it's already a whole different ballgame. Because if you won't be the channel, there'll be another channel. If water comes on the roof, if it doesn't go down this crack, it's going to find another. It's coming into the house. Only question is which way. Who cares? For good or bad, it's coming in. And if I don't place my bitachen and my expectations on others, so as a benefit, I won't be subservient to them. Constantly needing to win their favor. I won't have to flatter them. And therefore, I will not consent, whether it is spending time or effort or energy, to please. I won't become a people's pleaser. And in the reverse, I won't be afraid of them. I'm not subjecting myself to being bullied. Because, that's it, I'm not making myself codependent or dependent on them. It's almost like it's teaching you how to have confidence. Well, I would word it, have confidence in God. Just put, God, because that's, that's that's the American culture. They're almost there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just add God because that will make ultimately, in the right. long run, that will make all the difference. No, it's not confidence in me. Mm-hmm. In me means in my wisdom. In me means in my life, in my health. My life and my health is not mine. It's a gift from God. People are the healthiest people. And one day and the next day, God forbid, they're, they're given a diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Confidence in God. It makes that a big difference. That trickles down to the person. Sure, it trickles down to the person, but a person is going to view oneself on one hand with, with tremendous humility because it's not me, it's God, right. and, and with empowerment because God entrust, if God entrusted me with wealth and with life and with chachma, why? Mm-hmm. For me to use it for God. And that's my choice, how to use it for God. So it gives me, I'm the manager. God made me the manager, max, it's not mine. That's Yiddish confidence. Yeah. You have these uh, psych- psychologists that have gewaldic, grading, greater concepts, but if they're not a frum, their mantras should have to be changed. They have to be changed. The self is God. And I won't be afraid if other people ch- will choose to be wicked towards me. I won't be afraid of them. I won't be uh, intimidated by them arguing with me. I'm going to divest myself from needing their favors, from making efforts to find favor, and thus feeling obligations to repay them. And not only that, if they need to be rebuked, I won't be afraid to rebuke them. How great is that? (laughs) I'm saying if you feel that they are the ones giving you what you need, then if they do something that is not correct, you would rebuke them in the right way. But many times you feel, I'm not in the position to rebuke them because I might lose. The moment you understand, they're not giving you anything. God is giving you. If need be, you'll rebuke them. It's like the same thing if you're angry at a person who's the vehicle of what's happened to you, you really should be angry at God. You should be, not, the well, not the word angry, you should take up your grievances with God. Don't say angry with God, we can't be angry. Once we understand God, we can't be, we'll have other emotions, not anger. Anger towards other people is because we gave them power which they don't have. Don't right. give a fellow man God made godliness which they don't have. Right. And Kamoy Anovi, let's conclude this part. And as the prophet Yeshaya says that the Hashem Elohim Yazerli, it is God that will be my help. And when a person understands that God is my help, I'm not going to be embarrassed. I made my face like a Flintstone. What's a Flintstone? A Flintstone is that, that if you... Knock it. If you knock, in other words, if, if I need to knock, to, to, what's it called, knocking horns, is a lush is in English that I don't know, then you'll do it with, with someone else. You won't be intimidated by other people. In a good way. We're not advocating machlekas. We're advocating that there are times... I the word. Self-esteem? Self-esteem, Jewish self-esteem. self-esteem. Jewish self-esteem is all <laughs> predicated on the fact that God placed his soul in me. That's my esteem. It's really godly esteem. Don't be afraid of them. Don't be afraid of the words. All these different psukim in different places. Kishamir Shamir is a is a is a creature that God made. That is the that that that's a worm. That's barely a worm. It has no skeleton. It looks like a nothing, and it's the strongest creature in the world. Kishamir Chazik Mitzoyer Nosati Mitzchecha. 
I, God says, I made your, your forehead stronger than the Shomer. <coughs> so we'll stop over here. So what we learned today is in the negative. Don't rely on your own qualities. And don't rely on other people. Even though, for you to have good qualities and be grateful towards other people that are of help. But don't rely on them. What's an avoda we can practice this week to pra- put that in action? <laughs> That's a great question. Mm, like, like, it's like an down. exercise. <coughs> yeah. Because it's a lot of info. I don't want to go too slow. Yeah, yeah. Or she, I think she has an answer for you. Yeah. No, I didn't hear that. What was the question? Oh. No, no. <laughs> I had a question. No, no. is pointing out that it would be good at the end of every week to make like an exercise. I know every person has their own custom-made, but just to propose a concept that's applicable to one, which others can use as a, an idea, where can one better apply this? Not just to okay, learn well this. I, okay, I have a question based off of this. Okay. So where does this and like keep it of it in come in, being kind to your fellows come in? Because basically it's saying don't expect from others. And then if you don't expect from others and you only have Yachan and Hashem, then you won't go in their wicked ways. It sounds it sounds like it's saying that you won't engage in problematic behavior with them. If you're not expecting, then they can't really offend you, right? It comes in through, like we were saying, the confidence. Or, or, or manipulate you. Correct. But you have to be or friends with them. You, which is what you said. But when you're dealing with in-laws or parents, you know, whatever you have trouble with, um... How do you stay respectful while making sure none of that happens? Well, let me let me let me let me approach it from the opposite angle. Whenever okay. they are asking of you, parents, in-laws, or a fellow yid or a fellow human being, to do anything that, in your understanding, is going contrary to the will of God then we may not follow them, even when it comes to a father or mother. Okay, but what if it's... Which, which just indicates that my relationship of of, of kibud av and av-aim and moira av-aim is a relationship of behavioral expressions of honor and respect, doing what they like <coughs> to get done, doing for them, or refraining from doing something that might be hurtful for them. I don't see. I don't see how this is in any way contradicting the fact that I put my bitachin in God. I think. I think. I think that let's let's speak about it like that. My parents or in-laws. It's not healthy to be expecting of our parents. How many conflicts is on the, on the younger generation's fault? People expect. Right. And my parents expect. don't owe me. They don't owe me. I should be grateful for what they. Very grateful. Dafka because I think people are even more grateful when they expect less. It's, it works only to the benefit. And I think it promotes friendship. If you don't expect that anything that's good, you'll be grateful for, and anything that's not good, you'll be like, oh, well, I never Absolutely. Listen, there's no doubt that right. one of the biggest challenges married couples have, just taking the same concept to a, to a marriage, is that prior yeah. to marriage, since there are no expectations, so he or she, they made for you a coffee. Wow, they're so nice. Mm-hmm. Right? They made a coffee. And then when you get married... They can make a coffee plus olive base, gimel, dal, and hay, and you're still irritated that they didn't do Zion or Ches. Exactly. Why? Because there's an unspoken uh, expectation, whether agreed upon or not, is that whatever they gave you, they owed you. I think I think that not having expectations really promotes friendships, and I think it promotes honoring. I'm speaking about in the direction of going up. I will honor my in-laws a lot more if I don't expect from them in the wrong way. Then I'll be more grateful. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I think for me, for me, the takeaway, I just the challenge for me is not to, just for me. What the chiddush is is that that Rabbeinu Bachaye is not minimizing the koyach of wealth and wisdom because we daven for it. We we are asking for wealth. Like the, I mentioned the story, not wealth for me, me, but you, God should make you wealthy and make you wealthy and do great things with it. You can change the world for the better. If you are wealthier, you'll have you'll change more of the world. It's a bracha. So there's using it for the good versus relying on it. In other words, the exercise would be, I'll have a better answer. Nothing is coming to me. is to find something in my personal life that currently I'm relying upon and I have to get it better by putting my reliance on God. When you're driving and the car is in front of you, made a short stop and you hit the brakes, what's in your mind? 
Don't hit the car in front of you. Yeah, but you're relying on your brake or are you relying on God? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a bit tzaddik. You know, the Gidosh- no, that's, that's a good muscle, not for me, but for great tzaddikim. The Yerushalmi says that, that people used to be in agriculture, 90 plus percent of people, that the, the Ayid, when he puts the seed in the ground, he said he's relying that God will make it grow. Right. But he's not thinking that naturally, if I did it, he plants, he does everything al pitava and he fully turns to God. There has to be areas in our life that we know the laws of nature. That I'm taking this step and there's going to be a natural consequence to the good. We should take the step and turn to God for God to provide that consequence. Even though by the laws of nature it's going to happen. But really it's God that's making it happen. To be more cognitive of that. I think let's go to our kids. I'm just trying to answer your question. That's a good question. I like your question. To make it more real, is that is that we have kindalach or all of us or some of us have children, all the children, younger children, grandchildren. Um, same thing with expectations. In other words, we have to do our best, but not not to have the arrogance of my kids will turn out the way I would like for them to turn out because I did the best I could. Or when we watch and we see that in another family, you know, sometimes the kids are not behaving that well, not to jump to the conclusion that it must be that the parents did something wrong. You never know. It could be the parents that everything they're supposed to do. It's really God. For some reason, the kid is the way the kid is. I mean, look at Asaph. Look at, uh, yeah, twin, a twin brother. Rivka did not make a mistake, neither did Yitzchak, confidently. They did the right thing. And that's the outcome. Can I ask something about that? Sure. I feel there's... I'm sorry? There's like a slipperiness. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. There's like a slipperiness. A glass of water. There's a slipperiness to it because I feel like it's also really important to grow as a person. I'm not, you know, you're not necessarily judging the other parents. But if, if you see there's issues like... I think it's healthy to try and do what wasn't going right there. Not in a say of like, I could do so much better in a judgmental or condescending way, but like, I feel like just to like, maybe they did everything right and it was just God. Like that's like, I think that could be a dangerous way. Okay, okay, I, I like this conversation. Like, so my comeback to you will be like this, that, that if I see a parent, if I see them doing something which I subjectively think is wrong, and I see the kid acting out, Nothing wrong with me saying that's a confirmation that that's not the right way to go. But if I don't know where the, why the kid is where they're at, it's not for me to spend one second to be ah let me figure out okay, the father looks like that the mother looks like that the stomach that's not that that's a big mistake. I should focus on my own life yeah. and look at my own kids and and see what is it that I can do better and with the knowledge the whole time that ultimately it's in the hands of God not to feel that we're God. We can do everything right, and then what will happen is God's. It's God's world. Right, but if you have frustration, let's say in your child, right, that means you don't have bitachon. If you get frustrated, let's say you know everything's from Hashem. I think the word frustration. I like what you're saying. I think the word. This is a high level. The word frustration, if that's exactly that mida, is coming from me, um, presuming that I have power that I don't have. Okay. I'm just thinking of my own. Uh, everyone is know. there. In other words, right. I'm, why am I frustrated? Right. Because I had expectations. Who, 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 who told me I, those expectations are correct to have? Right. I so think if I see that. something that needs, that needs to be fixed, my question will be is, okay, how can I be part of the solution? Mm-hmm. And there's no doubt that if we're not frustrated, we'll be more successful. Mm-hmm. Frustrations comes from expectations which comes from investing in self since i'm such a great mother and i did all this for you and you're not grateful so if you don't have expectation your child behaving well then you won't you're you're expecting you're expecting that you're seeing the capacity of your child you're giving them the confidence that you are able to which is a good thing which is a great thing I need to say expectations of, it's almost like manipulation, mm-hmm. that I'm gonna be so good to my kid, I'm gonna cut you slack over there, and then I'm gonna right. take you to munchies to make sure they right. eat poison. And I'm thinking, and then, and then, now you owe me, and if you don't, I get very angry. Right. 
that's 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 not healthy thinking. Right. So how do you fix that? What do you so then? Well, first of all, you begin with that that the the result is in the hands of God. My job is to do the best to be the best dad I can be. And then you just say, and do be the friend. best dad you can be, and say, God, God, I like the Rebbe when he said, he, the Rebbe felt I did everything that I could. Now it's in right. God's God's world, not my world, God's world. But who who is like the Rebbe who was able to say that I did everything that I could? You're saying there's always something we can do. We can always do better. We're not, we can better. No, it's, it, like that's what I agree with Shana, that if I see in my children and in myself something that's not yet ideally the way it should be, is let me take it on me. Okay, what can I do better? Not because it's because of me. I'm not that powerful. I'm not God. Not every fault is my fault. And not every quality is my doing. Right. I, have a, I can have a part in it. Yes. So I just wanted to, two comments here. Um, just to add on two concepts separately. On one hand, the full reliance on Hashem, uh, not relying on others and not having a full trust in ourselves. So the nature of the human is rely too much on others, naturally get frustrated and then get angry and, you know, get disappointed because they had expectations on the reliance of others. Then you can have other people that don't rely on others. They fully trust themselves, but they also do not allow for connection. As Jews and as humans, we need the connection. We need to depend. It's called interdependence. We need to live together, help each other, and at the same time, balance when we're starting to feel like people owe us. When are we starting to feel disappointed? This is usually a reflection of what's going on inside. Like in Hasidus, the mirror, this is, when we're frustrated with our children, frustrated with ourselves. Wait, something, something's going on here that is lacking, that is causing me to be frustrated. So there is like a need for readjustment. If we see the frustration as a need to do a readjustment, then uh, that's more helpful because uh, at the end of the day, it's usually we're trying to control something, and that's definitely out of our hands. Okay, just so, so we have already two comments, at least in part, with Aura, that to make sure that we don't use these ideas to create a society where people are less connected to each other. That's not what we're talking about. Somehow this should actually bring even greater connection, but a healthy connection and not a codependency, an unhealthy connection. All right, Kevin. I think the way you said it made sense, that if you don't expect from others, then there's your healthy connection. Correct. It doesn't mean that you need correct. to correct. Correct. associate with that other person. It means that okay. everything they give is good. Yeah, and, and, and appreciate it, and appreciate it, and, not, and appreciate it, and, appreciate it. and, and, and that creates a beautiful cycle of your show appreciation, so yeah. yeah. All right.